Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 338 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host Joey Coastman. I'm joined as ever by former heavyweight world title challenger, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, man? I'm doing good, my man. How about yourself? Always good speaking with you, Eddie. So, we're going to dive straight into the review part of the show. I don't anticipate this week's show will be very long at all. It's going to be kind of bite-sized, I guess. We're going to start here with a card that took place last week. There was only two cards to mention. Both took place in Europe. Let's start in Spain at the Palau Olympic Val de Hebron in Barcelona, Catalonia. No Spanish from me this time, but this one was on the zone. Just really one fight to mention, or two fights, actually, I'm going to mention here. In fact, I'm going to give you three. Um... Jorge Lina Guanini, there you go, I pulled that one out of the bag. She's now 10 and 4 with two draws. She actually beat over eight two minute rounds unanimously. Uh, Stevie or Stevie Levi, who's now 5 and 1, that's the female, I believe, managed or trained by Dave Allen. So a loss there for Miss Levi. Um, that's a bad one. Elsewhere on the card, a guy called. Um, I really struggled to pronounce his name last week, and I'm going to struggle even more now. A guy called um, (laughs) God Almighty, Havroj Sepp, who's now 11-1. He was undefeated, 11-0. A unanimous decision over eight rounds against him in favor of the Latvian Rickards Bolotniks, who's much better than his record suggests, now 19-6 with a draw. Um... The main event, though, Sandor Martin with win number 40. He's 40-2. and two. Of course, he um, you know, really jumped up in people's estimations after beating Mikey Garcia um, last year. He was able to beat Jose Felix, who's now 39-6 and six with a draw. A complete shutout there across the board for Sandor Martin. 10-0 over 10 rounds on two cards and, and, and nine, um, 9-1 on the other card there. That one, by the way, was for the WBA International Super Lightweight title, which was vacant. Um, Moving out now to the final card of the review part of the show. This one took place at the Newcastle Arena in Newcastle. It was on Sky Sports. Let's talk about the undercard first. Um... A win for Zach Chelly. He's now 11-1 with a draw. A TKO in round six against Jack Kilgannon, who was 11-0, stepped in on late notice. Chelly cut, actually, quite a bad cut, high up on the head. But um, managed to pull out the win and managed to turn the fight on its head very quickly, actually. I predicted he'd get the stoppage. That one came to fruition. Bradley Ray, friend of the show, now 13-0. and A points win over eight rounds against Lucas Ndufaluma, who's now 20-5. and Ndufaluma um, down in the fourth round. Good win there for Bradley Ray. Banked some rounds. He's been, you know, knocking people out 
quite early, quite quite early, you know, making statements, stuff like that. But good for him to go eight rounds as he stepped up and um, certainly one to watch for the future. Elsewhere on the card, Florian Marku with a win, a really big win. I expected again that he'd win by knockout. Um, he knocked out Chris Jenkins. He's now 11-0 with a draw, a TKO in round four there against Chris Jenkins, who's now 23-5 with three draws. It was for the IBF International Welterweight title. Um, a cut as well for Marku. I think it was a head clash. It was quite bad. He even admitted afterwards that the blood that that you know was coming out of his cut made him feel like he needed a stoppage. He didn't want it to be stopped on cuts or anything like that. Um, Chris Jenkins started the fight quite brightly, to be honest. I, I like what he was doing early on, the first one or two rounds boxing well, but then Marku did take over. And, um, you know, it's a statement, really, because it's by far the best name on his resume. So I was quite a fan of the fight when it was made. I think I said on last week's show it was the fight of the week that I was looking forward to. And I'm really pleased for Marku because we want to see him pushed on. He's always talking about the big names. Um, you know, he's up there with, I think, a guy that boxed on the undercard. I think, it, no, sorry, he wasn't on the undercard. He was just doing a bit of commentary, a little bit of pundit work, ringside. Chris Congo, I'd like to see that fight. That's a good fight that can be made there on Sky. But I think he's a little bit far off, Marku, the likes of... You know, Connor Ben, the likes of Mikey McKinson, the likes of, obviously, Yakel Brooks and your Amir Khan's, even though they're the fights that he wants, but nah. I think he's a little bit off that at the moment. Um, moving up to the main event, we had Savannah Marshall successfully defend her WBO World Female Middleweight title. Title. She's now 12-0. A KO in round three against Femke Hermans, who's now 12-4. Hermans knocked out by a huge left hook, and she was out, completely out. A one-punch knockout there. Um, yeah, very simple. She kind of threw a shot herself, ducked down as she come back up. She popped back up without the guard and walked into, if you like, a left hook. Um, very good punch to finish things. Obviously, Clarissa Shields was sat ringside. That fight seems like it's going to get made between Shields and, and Marshall. Um, but no, excellent stuff for the women's boxing, I think, there. Uh, Savannah Marshall is, as they say, one of the hardest hitters in the in the female side of the sport. I'm a big fan of hers. Um, her and Clarissa is one of the biggest fights that can be made. I love that fight. I also love Serrano and Taylor, which we're going to see later this month. Um, yeah, so massive fan of that fight. And Savannah Marshall, as I said, was probably going out there simply to get a knockout. She didn't want to go the distance with Femke Hermans, who'd been the distance with Clarissa Shields. She'd never been stopped. And yeah, big statement there. And obviously, as I say, Clarissa in the house to see the knockout ringside didn't really seem phased. And we know how confident of a character she is. But that's it, though, for the review part of the show. I've flown through that as quick as possible there. I did say we'd be going through things quickly. The final thing for me to do to wrap up part one is to welcome our special guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former unified super bantamweight champion of the world. It is, of course, Mr. Daniel Roman. Danny, welcome back on the show, my man. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me again, and I'm, I'm excited. You know, it's, 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 it's done. 
always good having you on, Daniel. So we last spoke back in August of 2020. It was just before your fight against Juan Carlos Payano. Payano uh, was a replacement, of course, for Emmanuel Rodriguez. That Payano fight ended up being much closer than, than most people thought it would be. Um, would you agree that was a close fight looking back now, Danny? Yes, yes, yes. I uh, had it complicated uh, with the COVID going around, the the protocols, and it was hard for for me to find sparring because originally it was gonna be against uh, the, the Puerto Rican kid. I just forgot his name, and yeah, so Rodriguez. so now it was against Rodriguez, and now it was against uh, Payano Salpo. But uh, you know, it, it was a it was a close fight. But, but thank God everything went great and we got the victory. Yeah, absolutely. And since then, uh, you boxed. You got a win on the Figueroa Neri undercard over Ricardo Franco. That was back in May of last year. That night, of course, was the night where Figueroa beat Neri. And then he went on to box Stephen Fulton in that unification. Um, it was a great fight between them. Lots of action. The fight was very close, but Fulton got the decision. What did you make of that fight? And how enjoyable, by the way, was it to watch from your point of view as a fighter in position to fight the winner? Oh, well, I was ready to fight uh, a little bit before, even when Eddie was the champion. But he, he decided to go against uh, Figueroa. Then Figueroa, then Figueroa took the, the challenge with uh, Bolton. So it, it was a good fight. I mean, it was a close fight, like, like you said. I actually saw it at the same. I was there at the venue, and I saw a close fight. But uh decision went for uh, Fulton. So, so he's a guy. He's a guy. That I want now, you know, <laughs> and I'm getting to fight now in June 4th. Yeah, absolutely. And as I say, um, you you were ready to fight the winner of that fight between those guys. You were ready before that even. Um, you and Stephen Fulton, as you say, you'll be you'll be getting it on June 4th in Minneapolis. Firstly, how well do you know Fulton, and how do you think your style will match up with his? I mean, you and Brandon Figueroa are both pressure fighters, so maybe his fight with Figueroa was the perfect kind of fight to have before fighting you. No, I mean, uh, the, the guy's a smart fighter. He knows how to make adjustments during the fight. Uh, it'll be more like a chess game, you could say. I'll still do my fight like I always do. I'll bring the fight to him. I won't be surprised if he tries to bring the fight to me. Uh, we'll, we'll be we'll be ready for anything that he brings to the table. You know, I can do adjustment as well during the fight. Yeah, you certainly can. And um, as I said as well, and as you I'm, I'm sure know, Fulton has, has you know, shown that he can box, he can fight, much like yourself, to be honest with you. Is there any way that this fight isn't going to be fireworks, much like Figueroa Fulton, or will it be different? And if so, what will be different? I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll get ready for anything, you know, as well as he will. Uh, it all depends on the fight, you know, the, the adjustments we got to make. It depends how he comes at us. Depends on the adjustments we could uh, make during the fight. But yes, of course, you know I'm I'm there to give my my heart, my heart out to the people that see me. Give a great fight, give a great night. But like I said, it'll be like uh, like more like a chess game. But either way, we still gotta apply the pressure and bring the fight to him. And this fight will be for Fulton's WBC and WBO world titles. A win here would mean that you'll have. All four of the major titles in your trophy cabinet at home. 
Um, would that be a major <laughs> achievement in your eyes to have all four belts, even if they were at different stages? Yes, yes, of course. You know that that was my that was my goal since the beginning. Uh, once I won the world title, I was like, okay, you know what? Uh, on to the next title, and uh, that was my goal, and it still is my goal, you know. Uh, but I, I'm not overlooking Fulton. Uh, this is the 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 biggest fight of my career, and uh, hopefully everything goes well, and uh, we we get those titles and uh, bring them back home uh, to add to the collection. Yeah, this is a fantastic collection, and again, I don't want you to to overlook anybody, of course. But what would your goal be? Have you looked this far forward, Danny? What would your goal be? You know, if you were to win this fight, obviously it would mean you were the IBF and WBA champion. You're now the WBO and WBC world champion. Would you still have business at 122 or would you be looking perhaps to move to 126? Uh, I don't mind going up, you know. I don't mind going up to challenge the, the rest of the champions at uh, 26. But uh, I my goal is to uh, be the undisputed champion the world champion and uh you know if 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 MJ I still got unfinished business with him, you know. Not overlooking Fulton. But everything goes well. We get the titles uh and we can make that fight with uh MJ. We'll love it. But we'll see, you know, one step at a time. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see uh you know MJ back in a big fight as well. You and him with a rematch, that'd be fabulous. Um, and, and really, I'm just kind of flying through these questions. Not too much left for you, Danny. Um, it, it, in my opinion, I know it's probably, it probably makes no sense now, and obviously you've got your fight penciled in, but in my opinion, the best fight in terms of action in the whole division, 122, is between you and Brandon Figueroa. Now, I really like you both, so I almost don't want the fight to happen because I'd have to kind of see one of you lose. But do you agree with me that that's like the craziest fight? There's about 5,000 punches getting thrown in that fight, no? <laughs> of course, uh, of course. <laughs> he got that style and I got that style, you know, and uh, we're both Mexicans. So, you know, every time uh, two Mexicans get in the ring, they, they give it all. And leave it, uh, like they say, you know, muerte la raya, you know, die. Die in the ring. <laughs> So you say, yeah, that's a possibility. You never know. With this, with boxing, you never know. Uh, hopefully, everything goes great, and uh, we'll, we'll see what's, what's next. Oh, what's next up to me after this one? But it all one step at a time. But yes, I agree with you. That will be a great fight in the future. It certainly would be. And just finally, Danny, we haven't spoke, like I say, for quite a while now. Um, if you've got any closing words to your UK supporters in particular, but not just UK, anywhere in the world before we let you go, what's your final message before we let you go, Danny? Uh, thank you to all my fans uh, that support me around the world, uh, especially my, my fans in UK. I know I fought great fighters as well. I fought Gavin McDonald. They just retired. And I fought uh, DJ Doheny as well great fighters uh much respect for you guys uh people in uk and thank you to all my fans around the world like i said japan and every every part of the world that supports me thank you and i uh, expect a great fight expect a great night on june 4th and uh god willing the victory will be ours thank you all and you can keep on you can keep keep up with me on social media instagram underscore bayface assassin underscore and you can follow me on twitter as well at team Ramon boxing and i'll keep everybody updated uh, check me out. I'll be posting a few uh, clips of my training so I can keep you guys updated. And thank you all for your support. Absolutely. And everyone listening to me and 
uh, and Danny, you have to go on Twitter and follow this man. You have to go on Instagram and follow this man. One of the true good guys in boxing. Listen, Danny, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, my man. Best of luck for June 4th, and I'm sure we'll speak sometime after the fight. Thank you, Joy. You have a good one, and thank you for having me again. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. A few things to go over. Boxer and Sky Sports have signed the Olympic medalists, um, Lauren Price and Karis Artingstall. They are both, by the way, two female fighters. Um, both, I believe, medaled at the Olympics just gone, and they're actually a couple. They live together and stuff like that, so that's really cool. Um, so all the best to both of those ladies there. Um, what else do we have? Sam Maxwell is fighting for the IBO world title. That's going to be on April 22nd. He gets in with, um, who is it he gets in with? He gets in with um, a guy by the name of, oh gosh, forgot the guy's name. I forgot the guy's son, uh, first name, but his name's, his surname is, Meneses, I believe it is. Not, not. I'll be honest, I haven't heard of him. Um, on the the undercard for Fury White, that has finally been announced. So I'm going to reel off the undercard here. A lot of people were waiting a long time to to hear it announced. But we've got Anthony Kakachi getting in with um, a fighter here who I remember was linked with Archie Sharp not sure if that's common knowledge I don't think it is but he's he's in with him Kakachi obviously as we know um you know good fighter coming off a great win as well I think it was over Leon Woodstock I think I was at that fight um so he kind of steps up here but the guy's boxing from Colombia Jonathan Romero bit of a pumped up record to be honest 34 and 1 yet you probably uh wouldn't have heard of him before. He's got a loss back in 2013. His sole loss of his career came to Kiko Martinez. He was knocked out in six rounds there for the IBF world title. Since then, he's not done much. And by the way, he was the guy that made Kiko a world champion. He lost his IBF world super bantamweight title to this guy. So it was his first defense. He won the title on a split decision against Alejandro Lopez back in 2013. Lost it straight away to Kiko Martinez only six months later. And since then, well, it's been nine years and he hasn't really done too much, to be honest with you. So he's been quite inactive and stuff like that. He's um, 35 years of age. We'll see what happens there. We'll see. But all the best to Anthony Kakachi. Elsewhere on that undercard, Isaac Lowe gets in with the undefeated Nick Ball, who's 14-0 and from Liverpool. That would be a good one there. It's a must-win, really, for Isaac Lowe. Friend of the show, 21-1 and th- uh, with three draws. Elsewhere on the undercard, we've got David Adelaide getting in with Chris Healy, who's 9-8, and eight, the six-foot-one southpaw. Not a fan of that fight, to be completely honest with you. Uh, we've got Tommy Fury getting in with Daniel Bozanski, Bosianski, I think it could be pronounced. He's 10-1 and one with two KOs coming off a fifth-round TKO loss against Patrick Szymanski. Um, that one took place um, uh, just over a year ago now. I'm going to have to look into this guy's record a bit deeper, really. But yeah, it seems on the surface like he hasn't really boxed anyone of note just yet. But he did get to 10-0 and before losing his O. He's a 6'3 uh, orthodox fighter from Poland. All the best there to Tommy 
Fury. A um, couple other fights on the undercard, but not, not really anything worth mentioning. It's not a fantastic undercard, to be completely honest. Um, what else do we have? What else do we have? It's official between George Cambosos Jr. and Devin Haney. We're going to get to see that one. It's taking place down under in Australia. It's for the Undisputed World titles, of course, there. That one to take place June the 4th. Um, so, yeah, all the best to both guys there, both friends of the show, George Cambosos and Devin Haney, both been on in previous years uh, or months or whatever. I kind of get lost myself. Uh, what else do we have? We have, um, yeah, Nico Ali Walsh gets on the undercard of Oscar Valdez and Shakur Stevenson. That's going to be his his hometown debut, April 30th. I cannot wait for that main event. It's going to be amazing. Has his opponent been announced? Yeah, he gets in with Alejandro Ibarra there, middleweight fight at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. And this one, finally to mention, it's a matchroom card. It's going to be taking place. Oh, it's an undercard, really. It's been a added to the uh, Canelo and Bivol on the card May 7th. We're going to see Shakram Giasov get in there with Christian Gomez. That one's for the IBF North American welterweight title. Should be a good fight. That is it, though, for the news part of the show. Moving on to the preview part, we're going to start here with a card that takes place on Saturday in Stad Hall. Um, I think that's the name of the venue. It's in Falkensee, Bradenburg, or Brandenburg, Germany. Um... Heavyweight Tim, uh, oh my god, what, what is going on today? My, my mouth and brain don't seem to be in sync. But anyway, Tom Schwartz is getting in the ring here. Um, again, I haven't seen him fight, I don't think, since losing to Fury. And I'm sure he's book, boxed a few times since then. Has, yeah, he's, he's got two wins, both by a knockout. He gets in with Muhammad Ali Damaz, who's 32 and 30. Um, he he kind of has that... Joey Abel kind of feel to this guy here because he either knocks you out or gets knocked out. 32 KOs, 30, sorry, 32 wins, 30 KOs, 30 losses, 25 KOs, 41 years of age. Dear, oh dear. Um, okay, that's it for that one there, really. Nothing else to mention on that card. Moving out now to Japan. This is a crazy, crazy week of boxing, to be honest. There's fights all over the place. But let's move to this one here. Gennady Golovkin, 41-1 with a draw. Really excited to see him back in the ring. Uh, this one is, of course, for the WBA and IBF World Middleweight titles. He gets in with Ryota Murata, 16-2. and Um... It's been very frustrating, to be honest, because this fight was, I think, supposed to take place, was it New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, and it's been pushed back, and we were hoping to get a date early April, it's it's, it's been, uh, you know, signed and sealed, and it's going to be here on Saturday, not sure what the time is going to be, actually, of the fight, or where it's going to get shown, for that matter, but good to see Gennady Golovkin back in action, even if he is getting up there in age now, he hasn't boxed since December of 2020 when he beat Camille Serrameta, so it's been a long, long time for him. Excited to see him back. Not so sure I, I, I want that Canelo rematch again, uh, the third fight, but we'll see. We'll see how he looks. Morata, of course, I think brings the WBA middleweight world title to the table there, so a unification. Um... On the undercard as well, a few decent fights to mention. Let's start with this one here. We get to see a guy called Shuchiro Yoshino. Perhaps one to watch. 14-0, 11 KOs. 
Um, actually, I'm kind of shocked by his age. He's 30 years of age, so I didn't know that. I thought he was a young guy. But anyway, he gets in with former world champion Masayuki Ito. That's the guy that lost his world title to Jamel Herring. Um, you know, so he is a good fighter, obviously, former world champion. And he's a big underdog here against this guy who... I, again, thought was a young guy. Turns out he's 30 years of age, so I'm not sure what to make of that one, but it's supposed to be a good fight there. Excuse my uh, my casualness coming through there. Elsewhere on the card as well, very good fighter that a lot of people are talking about, perhaps being a guy to watch in the in the next couple of years, perhaps someone emerging on the pound-for-pound pound list. He's 22-0 with 17 KOs, um, 24 years of age. This is... Of course, Mr. Junto Nakatani, as I say, 24 years of age, a southpaw from Japan. He defends his WBO World Flyweight title against Ryota Yamauchi, who is 8-1. That one, of course, over 12 rounds. Both guys can punch as well for flyweights. As I said, Nakatani, 22-0, KOs, and his opponent here, 8-1 with 7 KOs. So you'd, you'd probably think that someone's going to be going there. Um... Moving on, we're going to move now to the hangar in Costa Mesa, California, USA. Over here, we have friend of the show, former world champion Andrew Maloney. Eight and... I don't know where I'm getting this from. He's in an eight-rounder. I was about to say he's eight and oh. I really am tired, I think, this week. Uh, Maloney, in an eight-rounder. 22 and two is the record. He gets in with Gilberto Mendoza, who is 19 and 11 with three draws. And his twin brother, Jason Maloney, also on the card. 22 and two as well. They're, Id- they're identical twins, and they've got identical records. 22 and two, the pair of them, both on the same card. Um... Jason, in a 10-rounder, though, not an 8-rounder, he gets in with Francisco Portillo, who's 17-10 and 10 with two draws. Elsewhere on the card, Giovanni Santalan, 28-0, gets in with Giovanni Barraza, who's 23-2. and 2. That one's over 10 rounds, but the main event, Michaela Mayer, 16-0, gets in with Jennifer Hahn, or Jennifer Han, depends where you're from, how you say that one. She's 18-4 and 4 with a draw, obviously, I think it was last time out lost to Katie Taylor. Um would she have had a win in the meantime to get back in the you know in the picture to fight for a title maybe? Nope, nope, nope. That's not always how it works, it would appear. She lost to Katie Taylor last time out. Hasn't boxed since. Katie Taylor couldn't get her out of there despite having her down in the eighth round. Um can't say I remember that fight too fondly, but obviously Michaela Mayer in her last fight, that absolute war against Hamadouche, what an unbelievable fight, my favourite um, female fight for years and years, probably one of the best fights of last year. Um, so yeah, I want to see Michaela Mayer again, can she put Jennifer Han away? I would like to see it, so yeah, Mayer 16-0, Jennifer Han 18-4 with a draw over 10 two-minute rounds. Um... This one's really good as well, and it's gone under the radar. It takes place at the Virgin Hotels, Las Vegas in Nevada. It's going to be on Showtime on the undercard. This is the fight that snuck around for me. Um, friend of the show, Tony Harrison, 28-3 and three with a draw, former world champion in a 12-rounder against Sergio Garcia of, of Spain, who's 33-1. and one. Obviously, Garcia coming off that loss last time out on points to the towering inferno himself, Mr. Sebastian Vandora. Um, I think that's a really, really good fight. I've noticed that... Um, 
Tony Harrison is the underdog there, which I find kind of interesting because I don't think that the American judges appreciated Sergio Garcia's style against Fondora. So he's coming back. He's a favorite again, quite big against Tony Harrison, who can be aggressive. And I think that the judges would probably favor Harrison's style over um, over Garcia's. So I think that one could be interesting there if it, if it does go down the stretch, which I expect it will. And the main event, of course, I'm going to come to you, Eddie. I noticed you've unmuted yourself, but the main event, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Ericsson Lubin, 24 and 1. He gets in with the aforementioned Towering Inferno, 18 and 0 with a draw. Sebastian Fandor, it's for the WBC interim world super welterweight title. Um, all the best to both guys in that one. I don't really care who wins, but both guys are tipped for big things. Lubin did get his chance. Maybe it come around a bit too early. Since then, he's regrouped. He's come back. He's you know picked up some good wins. He seems like now is his time. Fandora still on the come up. Hasn't really had the massive tests, even though he did you know get a great win as we said last time against Garcia. But this is his moment as well to make a big statement. So it's a great fight. There's a lot on the line for both guys. What was you going to yeah, say? Yeah. This this fight, I was actually going to mention uh, uh, my Tony Harrison. Tony Harrison. Yeah, that was a very interesting fight too. I vaguely remember Sergio Garcia uh, from the fight with uh, the towering Inferno. <laughs> the big, the big, the big, uh, what is it, 154. I st- I'm still kind of perplexed to see how big, like how big, how tall that kid is uh, fighting the 54. But um, yeah, that, that's an interesting fight. I, I, I'm interested to see where Tony Harrison is and see how he's in. And it's funny that he's the underdog being a former world champion and uh, somebody who, uh, you know, had two good fights with uh, Charlo brothers. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I like Tony's ability, his skill level. He's he's always been, uh, you know, I've always really, he's really highly, highly regarded in my in my opinion, he's a really, really good fighter. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in this fight. As, and but the but the fight that I'm really interested in this weekend. This is like my favorite fight of the of the weekend. If uh, it's is this Lubin and and, and um, I can't remember his name. I was almost gonna call it the Tower Inferno. It's because I mean I'm, I really, really like Erickson Lubin. His he is like uh, he's a real. His, his the way he boxes is so professional. So precise, it's like he studies it. He's like he's like a student, a real student of the game. He doesn't uh, allow, you know. Every once in a while, like I see him get caught. Uh, I forget if he was fighting. He ended up stopping him, but he got caught with a shot. And I, I don't know if he got put down or if he got buzzed really bad. But he regrouped and ended up winning the fight. But he's he just seems like he doesn't allow, you know, like too many mistakes. He doesn't make too many unnecessary mistakes like a lot of young fighters do. He has, uh, it seems like, a great deal of experience, a great deal of professionalism. He approaches uh, the fights with, like, you know, extreme, like, like with a fine-tooth comb. He look, he's, like, over everything, defensively and offensively. And um, I think he's a southpaw. Yeah, he's a southpaw, right, if I'm not mistaken. And, he's, and, he, and he really knows how to use it. And he does he, he's, he's smart counterpuncher, you know, and a lot of, he's just, he's just a really, really professional-type fighter. He's a fighter's fighter. He's actually he's really really good. But you know this big kid, man, he he has some special qualities. Not just him being tall, but understanding how to fight tall. And he's a good counterpuncher in his own right. But at the same time, aggressive. And it's funny. I think Erickson Lubin, the last fight he had was fighting a southpaw as well. 
I think he was. I think if I'm not mistaken, I can't remember who the fight was, but it was another. Nah, he boxed. He boxed. Banana yeah, yeah, yeah right, right. Banana banana yeah, you're, right you're right. You're right. Um, but um, I, this is going to be interesting because he's tall and the southpaw, and he's really tall. He's not just six foot one or whatever, which is tall for that weight. But he's all. He's he's more like he's six. He's 6'5 or 6'6. Six, six. So now we're talking about a really, really big danger zone for Lubin is if he tries to cut the distance. And as professional as and as good as this kid Lubin is, he's got to be able to close the gap and get through that danger zone. If you know what I mean, the danger zone is obviously punching range uh, uh, of, of, of the towering inferno. So I mean, it's going to be an exciting thing for me to see. I, I hope... That Lubin's able to, you know, able to get a foothold into the fight and and, and overcome, the, the, you know, the big height deficit. But uh, this kid's on the come up, so you know, most people are thinking that you know he's going to be the favorite. I mean, he's the favorite, isn't he? The betting favorite, at least for, in this particular fight, right? Um, do you know what? I'm not sure. No, no, I think Lubin's oh, the yeah? favorite. I think. Oh, Lubin's that's kind of favorite. a surprise, but okay, all yeah. right. But well, you know, it's just, like I said, it's just going to be an interesting fight. Uh, even the fight before it with with Tony Harrison and Sergio uh, Garcia's interesting fight. I'm actually looking forward to that card, and these two fights in particular are really really high up on my uh, priority list to watch this weekend. Yeah, and I just want to apologize by the way if the sound is terrible in the background. There's like a storm outside, man, and it's just uh, it's crazy how it started right now. But um, anyways, yeah, getting back to it. Moving on to the next card this one takes place it's the final card to mention it takes place at the alamo dome in san antonio texas this one's going to be on the zone um which i'm really looking forward to to be honest let's start with the undercard we've got patrick texera the brazilian uh, 31 and 2 in a 10 rounder against paul valenzuela cuesta who's 27 and 11 where has texera been seems like a while since he's been in the ring um i think he was a world champion about three years ago um we've got a, a fight that i was a bit annoyed about when I noticed that he was the favourite because I thought there could be some money to be made there. But we've got Gabe Rosado, 26-14, and 14, with a draw in a 10-rounder against Shane Mosley Jr. But Rosado is the favourite. Um, Shane Mosley Jr., 17-4. and four. Elsewhere on the card, it's a unification for the WBC and WBA World Female Flyweight titles. It is Marlon Esparza, um, she, I think, what did she do? Didn't she go to the Olympic Games? I think I know that she was, I believe, engaged to Nicola Adams, and they split up, and Esparza ended up with a with a man, and um, and Nicola Adams ended up with a woman, and they're about to have a baby, and I, I don't really understand it, and it's we're, we're moving away from boxing, so that is what it is. But anyways, this one, like I say, is for the WBC and WBA female flyweight titles. Marlon Esparza, 11 and one, she gets in with Naoko Fujioka, who's 19 and two with a draw, age 46 from Japan. It's a massive. Massive weekend for Japanese boxing, but yeah, she's 19 and 2. She's coming off a win back in July of last year against Sulem Urbina, who is a friend of the show, a Mexican female there. Um, 
But prior to that, she'd been out the ring for about two years, so she was quite inactive. As I say, she's 46. Can Esparza win this one? It's going to be a good fight. It really is. Um, yeah, so that that that'd be quite interesting. And the main event, Ryan Garcia. It's great to see him back in the ring. It really is. 21 and 0 in a 12 round a 12 rounder against Emmanuel Tago, who's 32 and 1. He lost his pro debut right the way back in 2004 he's been a pro 18 years almost and yeah 32 wins in a row since then so he's got a lot of experience the only thing i I guess that's against him uh, i guess it's not really too much against him he hasn't boxed since november of 2020 but having said that um he's only been two months rustier than garcia who boxed in uh, it was the 2nd of January 2021, and that was against Luke Campbell, where we know um, Garcia was down, he got back up, he managed to finish the fight excellently, and since then, you know, uh, he's, he's had some issues, he's come out and spoke about it, he, I think he's suffered with mental health and stuff like that, so he's had a bit of a rough time, so that's why I'm saying it's great to see him back in the ring, it's not an easy opponent for him here, I don't think. Um, you know, as as we all know, really, these Africans, particularly the Ghanaians, very very tough. There's a lot on the line. If he was to beat this guy here, this is this is mega for his career. So you know, he's not coming to lay down. And yeah, I just want to see um, Ryan Garcia back back active again, back in that conversation because no one's really talking about him at the moment. You know, we're we're all talking about these lightweights. We're talking about the likes of. Uh, Tiafimo Lopez, Lomachenko, uh, George Cambosos now has come out of nowhere, Devin Haney, um, I think people are even talking about Stevenson if he were to move up, everyone's talking about the lightweights, and his name was right at the forefront of that until uh, until his inactivity, like I say, it's been over a year since we've seen him in the ring, and um, he's moved now uh, away from the Canelo uh, the Canelo gym, and he's now training under Joe Goosen, which I can't think of anyone who'd be a worse fit in terms of personality-wise. Can you be- like? Can you imagine um, Ryan Garcia hitting that speed bag that he hits when he throws about 500, 500 punches a second? I can just imagine him him setting a video up, got his camera there ready to capture what he's doing, and Goosen just coming in and. I don't know, punching the camera screen in or something. That's the kind of person I think he is. He doesn't like all that vain stuff. So I'm not sure how it's going to work. But listen, maybe he can, um, you know, <laughs> he can kind of get the nonsense out of Ryan Garcia. Because I know that Joe Goosen's not a... Uh, I don't think his, um, his sense of humor is his strong point. But having said that, I don't really know Joe Goosen. Eddie, you probably have met Joe a few times. Sorry about that, Joe. I was trying to get the button and it was acting up. But absolutely, I tra- actually trained out there with Joe when I was getting ready for Sam uh, Sam Peter. I mean, I still had my trainer, Rob Murray's my trainer at the time, but we we actually used Joe Goosen's gym to train. Had some of his guys that I spar with. One was uh, Sergio uh, Sergio Mora. I think, wait, not Sergio Mora. What the hell am I saying? Javier Mora. I'm sorry. It was a heavyweight that we worked with when we were there. And trust me, Joe was a definitely a no nonsense guy. He's not the, the, the you know, the, he, he, to be honest though, he is the, you know, he wants to be like, he's Hollywood in a, in a, in a way, you know what I mean? He is a little Hollywood. Like, you know, he wears the shirt with the, with the taco meat hanging out, you know what I mean? The open shirt because the weather's always nice out there and all that. I, I could see him with his, with his car with the top down, but 
when it comes to the gym and him training, he's no nonsense. He's definitely yeah, I was out there when he was training um uh, uh what's his name? John Molina. You know, John Molina Jr. and, and he and trust me, yeah, they were working. You know what I mean? John Molina is a tough kid. He was tough in the gym and everything. And Joe was on his behind the entire time. So yeah, he's definitely a no nonsense guy. I think he may add uh, maybe a different level of discipline with, with Ryan Garcia and may make him a little more, you know, focused on obviously the task at hand more so than, you know, the limelight and all the things that are, you know, that come along with it. And I think that's important for a young fighter at, at his level and with all of the dangerous guys that are around his, 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 uh, his weight class and a lot of the, a lot of the fighters that he may face in the next few years, he's going to have to get, you know, he's going to have to be a dog. He's going to have to get ready to uh, really be able to protect his, his, his legacy and to, you know, ascend uh, to the top of the pile. And it's, it's not going to be easy, but it, with a guy like Joe Goosen, I think he can definitely help that. Yeah, no, I, I do as well. I just think it's a strange fit for, for Ryan, who, you know, kind of gets viewed as this Instagram model um then boxer, boxer second, you know, but I, I don't think that's going to really wash with Joe. I think Joe is, um, he probably hates Instagram, actually. I don't think, I, I know he doesn't have an Instagram account. Um, I think he's one of those, he's old school, he's old school. I respect it, it's not a diss towards him at all. I really, really like Joe Goosen, but it's just such a strange fit for me. I think, uh, you know, it's just, it's just a weird one. It really is, I can't quite get my head around it. Maybe he will... Uh, be able to kind of you know put Ryan on the right track as well and obviously we mentioned we touched on it that Ryan seemed to have been suffering with mental health Joe Goosem could probably help with that kind of stuff I think but um yeah just when it comes to the razzmatazz and the instagramming and the the getting the good angles and getting the good videos I don't think Joe's down with that stuff I can see him snapping a few iPhones in half um, if if he caught Ryan doing that in the gym, <laughs> but anyway, that is it though. Uh, that that's it on Joe Goosen, the the denim jacket demon, and that is it for this week's episode. The final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a few seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 338 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge thank you to our special guest on this week's podcast, the former unified super bantamweight world champion, Mr. Danny Roman. The biggest thanks, though, goes out to you, the listeners, as always. So thanks once again for tuning in. That's about everything from myself, though. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.